Right now in Washington, D.C., they have put up a street sign near Lafayette Plaza that says Black Lives Matter. The city, along with activists, have painted a massive mural in the street that reads Black Lives Matter. Video game services are suspending their online servers in honor of Black Lives Matter. And most people put up a black square on Twitter on Tuesday for Black Lives Matter. It's very obvious what the mainstream is all about. Now, if you question any of the activist rhetoric or far left dogma, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you must be called out, you must be fired, you must be purged. Unfortunately for LinkedIn, one of the big, it's, it's a big tech social network. Many of you probably don't use it because it's for professional services, but a lot of people do use it. They had a hands on, uh, an all hands on deck meeting and they allowed their staff to comment anonymously. And when given the ability to speak anonymously, something interesting happened. Turns out a large portion of the staff went, quote, all lives matter. And now there's an outrage. The CEO was forced to apologize for the anonymous opinions of their own staff who feel that what's going on right now around the country is not necessarily a good thing. I'm not here to prop up or support these opinions, but I'm here to show you that not everybody is on board with all of the things we're seeing nationwide. According to one writer, there is a pressure at many companies on journalists, on employees to just adhere to a fringe ideology, something that only a tiny fraction of the population actually believes. And if you say anything against it, the fringe activists will speak up and they will come for you. Now, for many of you, this sounds familiar because we've been talking about it for a long time. Amazingly, the culture war has creeped out of the colleges and out of the video game industry and is now mainstream. And you might find yourself working in an office at a company and someone will come to you and they will attack you based on your race. And if you say it makes you feel bad, they'll call you a bigot. Take a look at this story. The Daily Beast, in a rather derisive way, LinkedIn staffers go all lives matter during dumpster fire meeting on racism. I wonder if the reason they wanted employees to comment anonymously was because they thought there would be minorities talking about how they didn't like what was happening in this country. I bet they didn't expect that white people would actually speak up and make some points and complain about what was going on. And we'll show you what they said. Check us out. They say, the Daily Beast, the highly professional social network's internal Wednesday town hall on racial injustice looked more like what you'd see in a Facebook comments section. Perhaps it's because people in this country really feel this way. L- listen, I'm going to show you this story and we're going to break these things down. But let me just tell you what is going to come in November. We, we can't we can only make guesses about. But I'd be willing to guess when you see stories like this, there are massive portions of the population who are scared. Now, I got to be honest, I, I, I am rather upset. I'm disappointed in all of you who would hold these opinions and refuse to speak up or dare I say quit. Hey, man, I quit. I walked away from a major contract at a, at a Disney company. I could have been sitting pretty making tons of hot cash if I just bent the knee. I said no. Within, even a, within a year of working with this company, I said sever my contract and they refused. I walked out clean and I didn't know what I was going to do. But I'll tell you what, the last thing I'll do is sit around for something I don't believe in and just cower because I need the paycheck. I get it. I get it. Listen, many people have said, Tim, you don't have a family. You don't understand. Yeah, I get it. And it is it is it it should be painfully obvious to everybody that they will use your family against you. Well, you're not. Listen, man, 
You are not providing a good future for your family by not standing up for what you believe in. No, I'm not endorsing the ideas these people have. I'm just telling you, if you're going to hide in the background and not stand up for something, think about the future you'd be leaving for your family anyway. Not worth it, is it? Here's what they write. LinkedIn prides itself on being the highly professional, troll-free antithesis to all other social media platforms. But on Wednesday, the company's own internal meetings looked more like a dumpster fire Facebook comment section than anything on the company's famously civil website. Earlier this week, the career networking website announced that it would hold a virtual global town hall to address the nationwide social unrest sparked by the Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd. The meeting was billed as an, as an event to discuss racial inequality by reflecting on our own biases, practicing allyship, and intentionally driving equitable actions. We'll spend most of our time together in open discussion, so please consider bringing questions or experiences you'd like to share. Read the invitation. LinkedIn employees follow those instructions precisely. The results were a disaster. Throughout the meeting, which was conducted by video chat and featured a sidebar where employees could leave comments, several anonymous staffers shared opinions echoing the detractors and skeptics of the Black Lives Matter movement. Several of these commenters criticized LinkedIn's position on diversity hiring, equating such practices with racism against white people. Here's a quote. They wrote that that as a non-minority, all this talk makes them feel like they're supposed to feel guilty of their skin color. They said that uh, they feel like they should let someone less qualified fill their position. Is that okay? It appears that they are a prisoner of their birth, one commenter wrote. This is not what Martin Luther King Jr. would have wanted for anyone. This person says uh, that they that they believe giving any racial group privilege over others is a zero sum game uh, and it would not get support by others. Any thoughts on hurting others while giving privileges with the rosy name called diversity? Read another employee comment. Here's a quote. Georgia's killers need to be tried according to the law. But how can hiring more minorities into manager roles and C-suite positions address cop racism? I thought hiring at LinkedIn is based on merit alone. It's not. And (laughs) what? Oh, you silly, silly, poor, naive, regular old normies. You know, I guess that's what the red pill is, right? That's what they call it. It's funny because it doesn't really mean anything specific. It means different different things to different people. But there are so many people who are uninitiated. There's an app. It's called Signal. It is a messaging app for end-to-end encrypted communications. It's used by many activists to protect your messages with other people. The messages dissolve uh, within a certain amount of time. If you set it as such, so you send a message, it disappears. I have been getting inundated with notifications that people on my contact list in my phone, and I'm talking thousands of people, have been signing up like crazy. This means regular people are being activated. Typically, Signal is used by people on the left. So many normies, as, as it were, are becoming politically activated. And based on every, everything we're seeing in the mainstream, they're being activated to the left. However, what you can't see, and which may be the downfall for the leftist ideology, is that there are people who ignore this, or I, I should say people who oppose this. Again, this video is not to condemn or condone anything. But whether you're on the left or the right, you got to realize the secret Trump voter the secret anti-SJW, the people who are scared to speak up, they exist and they're in huge numbers. And that's the power of the secret ballot. And it's one of the reasons it exists. People are going to show up at the polls and they're going to vote for Donald Trump. Now, there's a lot of things that could change. Mail-in voting, for instance, potentials for voter fraud. But apparently 
And this is just a tweet from a Trump supporter. Trump's uh, endorsements so far, he ha- they've won every single one. It's like 64 endorsements from the president, and they've all won various races, primaries, etc. What do you think is going to happen with this kind of sentiment? I'll tell you what, man, you walk up to a regular white person and insult them for being white. They're not going to want to agree with you. Don't make someone feel bad for something they can't change. If your argument is that you feel bad for something you can't change because you're a minority, I've certainly experienced that for sure. Telling someone the exact same thing that hurt you against them won't make them feel good or want to join you. It's almost like they just want you to feel pain because misery loves company. That's what they'll make. They write, other LinkedIn staff went further, complaining in the comments that police violence against white people was under undercovered and attempting to pivot the conversation to black on black crime instead. They said, quote, blacks kill blacks at 50 times the rate that whites kill blacks. Usually it is the result of gang violence in the inner city. Where is the outcry? One commenter said, echoing a common anti-Black Lives Matter talking point, deflecting from concerns about state violence against the black community. Now this, there's, man, there's a lot to unpack on this one. If you look at the FBI crime stats, you will find, yes, what they're saying is true. But there are fair points to be made on both sides. The big problem I have is that, so, so uh, take Chicago, for instance, they have redlining, okay? It was created there. There was blockbusting. There, there are issues of racism that impacted generational wealth and the black community. These things can be, can be called out and pointed out, and it's fair to do so. However, you do not win these arguments by being the enemy and making people hurt and creating suffering. So when the rioters come out and smash windows and someone says, I don't understand, and they tell you to shut up, what do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to agree with you? No, they're going to say, why are you hurting me? I don't understand. So you can argue that to the uh, privileged equality looks like oppression. Does it matter? If they feel like they're being oppressed, you will not win and they will resist you with force. That's what I can't stand about these people. There's an opportunity for a, a true, equitable, equal future, whatever. But it's done through mutual respect. It's done when conservatives come out and agree with you that George Floyd's death was horrifying. All of a sudden, you've got everyone's attention. All of these conservatives were like, wow, even Rush Limbaugh coming out being like, this is a disaster. Sean Hannity, truly an incredible moment. I was inspired. I said, now is certainly the time where we can say we may not agree on what's causing all these problems, but how about we agree on something of a compromise pertaining to this issue? Guess what? It would have been an easy yes, slam dunk, victory for you. Instead, when the rioters came out, the left said they're just grieving. It's the language of the unheard. It's uh, traumatic, tra- traumatized people who must be respected. And then you started to lose those conservatives. The real opportunity for unity was lost. When these questions are brought up, you address them. When someone says, what about the issue of of black on black crime? There was a huge march in Chicago. I think it was last year, a massive march. The media doesn't cover this stuff. They do. They do. Okay. The issue is the partisan manipulators, the elites, they don't cover these things. So when, you know, individuals in the black community speak up against the, the crime in their community, it gets ignored because it's not the tr- it's not going to a- awaken white liberals to go and vote for white liberal politicians. So that's my answer to someone who says that. I'm like, I hear you, bro. I absolutely do. You're right. There is. I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> I know all about it. You know what I did? I actually went down and interviewed an activist who was fighting for, you know, controlling the uh, gun issues in Chicago. 
They were very, they were in favor of 2A, and they specifically talked about the problems of black on black crime, saying that many of the people, these activists, absolutely are talking about it. It is the manipulators and the elites and the media who want to take advantage of racial tensions, not the activists. That's what bums me out. I got to imagine it's all on purpose, right? Because I'll tell you what, there's that great moment. Seriously, look it up. Bunch of Trump supporters in D.C. having a rally. Black Lives Matter shows up. Some some tension. Oh, no. And what happens? Smiles, handshakes. They, the Trump supporters invited the Black Lives Matter uh, activists up to the stage to speak. And the, the, the Black Lives Matter activists said, we're not anti-cop. We're anti-bad cop. And everybody claps. And they said, you know, we're here to guarantee to make sure that our people and everybody has has is treated equally and with their civil rights and everybody claps. And afterwards, Trump supporters smiling, shaking hands with Black Lives Matter activists. That's one of the scariest things to the elites. Unity among the people, because when the people are unified, guess who they go after? The establishment elites. (laughs) So they can't have that, right? So it gets torn apart. And that's why I when I when I see these comments, there's two things that bum me out. Listen, man, I, I have no problem whatsoever with people painting the, painting the street saying Black Lives Matter or any of that stuff. I do have problems with the authoritarian application of identitarianism. I do not like a lot of what these people do. But when, when I see someone say, like, listen, just because we're trying to solve one problem doesn't mean your problem doesn't exist or shouldn't be solved either. I'm like, two things can be true at the same time. The problem is the manipulators, the Antifa, the far left, and the derision and the hate. That's what it is. The way the Daily Beast approaches these people to me is disgusting. You know what, man? I thought I, the, the, the Hank Newsom is the guy who went to the Trump rally. I got mad respect for this guy. He because he, he's, he, he's a regular. He's got opinions I might not agree with, but he's a guy who's fighting for to, to solve the problems he sees. We may disagree with him uh, with with his solutions, but uh, he seems like a good dude. He really does. And you might not like what he has to say, but he, he was willing to speak to these people, shake hands and have that conversation. That's what we got to do to come together. These guys who are complaining about this stuff, I, I totally get where they're coming from, too. So here's here's how I, here's what I want to do. I want to be like, all right, man, tell me about what your concern is. And let's see what we can do to solve that problem. Let's solve some problems together, right? Instead, you get these articles that treat them like an evil other. You get memes attacking both sides. And I got to admit, man, there, there is an ideological problem. First, I hear what, what these Black Lives Matter activists are saying. Respect. You know, I've, I, there have been real problems. I don't think their tactics always work. And I think it's a problem that many of them excuse the rioting and the violence. And there have been some activists actually supporting it straight up on TV. I don't like that. I want to hear what they have to say and figure out what we can do in any capacity to make this problem stop. Now you end up with Antifa and the far left who infiltrate and exploit and create division. It's crazy, man. It's shocking to see a white person show up in Minneapolis and torch a building when the black people are begging him to stop. And then when you come out and say this, what happens? People in these media companies defend the burning of the buildings, saying it's the language of the unheard. Sorry, dude, the white suburban upper middle class kid, 18 year old white dude. It was a 20 year old white dude who had his parents turn him in. You see this video? We did it. We did it over on the the IRL podcast. 20 year old kid has his parents bring him in, torched a cop car. Is that helping underprivileged minorities? No, it's making things worse. Why defend that? Please don't. When I hear when I hear from activists when I have a real conversation, I'm 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 I, absolutely. Look at Charlemagne the God. Remember him? He was asking Joe Biden, "What are you going to do for my community?" Good question, man. Absolutely. And, and what did Joe Biden say? He was being a wise guy. 
That's what he said. He said, if you, if you have to uh, figure out, if you can't figure out if you're voting for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's what Joe Biden said. Man, you're not addressing the concerns of any communities. We want to we we end the tensions. We don't want to exacerbate them. And I'll tell you what, right now, we have a serious problem in our society that tells these people they're, they're not allowed to speak. This guy right here. Check it out. Here's a quote. This tragic incident that happened to George Floyd happened exactly the same to Tony Timpa, a white man, by Dallas cops in 2016. And no one seemed to care then. Another employee wrote, there were no outcry for justice in his case. Why? Should we not want justice for all? Do we all understand that racial prejudice is about everyone and can go any direction? Racial prejudice is rampant in tech companies. As a white person, I've experienced it from people of other races, too, he says. That's a quote. The comments were immediately met with outrage from numerous other LinkedIn staffers who called the comments disturbing and racist. And now here's the big problem. The problem is dogmatic ideology. And while I can respect, you know, people like Hank Newsom, Black Lives Matter activists, 100%, when you get infiltrated by this ideology that says, you know, there is no compromise, you're right, period, that, that advocates for violence and destruction and would shut down anyone who dare oppose you, then all you get is war and conflict. And you got to understand who's going to win, the wealthy elites. It's phony to me, man. Seeing people I know say things like, uh, we, you know, abolish the police. The only reason the politicians oppose it is because the rich people need the police. And I'm like, dude, are you, look, man, have you, have you, you've heard this, right? All these lefties saying abolish the police. I'm telling you what, man, you got to be dumb as a box of rocks to think abolishing the police is bad for the rich people. Now, look, if you want to have a conversation about disbanding police and replacing it with something different, I, I honestly believe it's a fair conversation because I, I was on Crowder's show last night and I said, but, you know, listen, hold on. What if everybody was responsible for their own safety and defense and they were armed? I mean, that's like a lot of people, a lot of Second Amendment advocates would probably agree. Be responsible for yourself. Don't don't think you can rely on the cops to come and save you every time. And they often can't. And maybe then there's not necessarily you, you can call it disbanding or abolishing the police, but maybe you could reform it to something else that deals with administrative, the administrative process of legality. Meaning if you and your neighborhood watch or community patrol, however, you, however you formalize it, which is le- less official, if you are dealing with crimes within your own community and you need administrative court support, that's what the police could be doing. So I, I bring that up as there are real arguments for something pertaining to this. But, but what they're saying is the rich people won't let us disband the police, bro. If you got rid of the police, the rich people are going to have armed security in in two seconds. In fact, the rich people already have armed security. So you get rid of the police. What does that mean? They're going to save a ton of money on taxes now. And guess what? The poor communities will be left to defend themselves. So maybe there's a real conversation about community policing. I'm totally down for it. Maybe there's some kind of reform that could be implemented, you know, but but whatever. The, The point is, we can't have conversations rooted in the other side is pure evil. I will tell you this, though, as somewhat of a civil libertarian type, meaning I respect freedom conversation, there is something inherently broken in a system where we're not allowed to speak, where we're banned from social media, and then you do have an impasse. That's it. That's why I think I, I'm bullish on some kind of civil war. I think we're already in it, if it does escalate to that, to that point. But the reason is, I will never back down. If someone comes and says the only solution is to shut down the speech and freedom of the people, I will say, no way. Never going to happen. Sorry. These people are allowed to speak their minds. Unfortunately, our culture is shutting them down and telling them they're not. 
So what happens? You've got the freedom minded civil libertarian types. And I don't I don't mean big L libertarian. I mean, those who believe in freedom, the Constitution. And you've got the authoritarian types who would say the problem is only solved by forcing people to do what you say. If somebody speaks up, you will be smeared and destroyed and they will come for your job. It's time to speak up. End of story. I'm, I'm, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to you know, don't expect me to defend people who are too scared to defend themselves within reason. Right. I'll speak up for what I believe in and for freedom and the right uh, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, all of our constitutional great things. But you got to understand, man, at a certain point, the responsibility is yours. If you're working for one of these companies and you see them doing awful, evil things and you just stay there, well, then you are part of the problem. You are, man. I've always felt this way. It's why I've never been a big fan of unions, but I'm a big fan of collective bargaining. If every single waiter, right? I, so when I, was, when I was growing up in Chicago, there was a big thing about wait staff not getting paid enough money. They said tips aren't enough. And I said, okay, quit. If the job doesn't give you what you need, stop working there. But I need a job, but I have to have a job. Yeah, well, figure something out, dude. You can't just go to a company and they're like, I'll give you a dollar an hour. And you go, okay. Say, no, find somebody else. And they will. Maybe they won't. But don't put yourself in that position. For now, I worked for a company. Okay, it's called Fusion. When they hired me, they said, we want to be like Vice. We're going to be edgy and free and open. They had signs saying we will not be partisan, little banners on the wall. Within seven or eight months, they flicked the woke switch and said, nope, we're changing course. We're going full woke. And then I went to the president and said, if this is what you want to do, I shouldn't be here. I had a two-year contract. And I said, there's no reason for me to be here. It's a waste of your money. And they wouldn't let me out of that contract. They, 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 you know, we'll, we'll talk about it because obviously it's not going to be, you know, they're not, it's business, not crazy people. In, in the, in, in, you know, they're just misguided. I would say that. But instead, I got cut a massive check. And it was a basically golden handcuffs. Shut up, sit in the corner. And then finally, when my contract ended, I said, peace out. I'm not going to work for this place. And I refuse to make your nonsensical, insane, I, uh, you know, dogmatic content. So I left. And that was a Disney company. And there was, there was good money to be had. A lot of money to be had. Comfortable job, flying around the country, doing whatever I wanted. <laughs> not worth it. And when I left, I didn't know what I was going to do. I understand I don't have a family and many people do, but I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. My, you know, I have a certain amount of savings because I saved a lot. And then I started my own company and I got to this point. You can do the same thing. If every single person in all of these companies at Silicon Valley just said, no, it would change overnight. But unfortunately, people are spineless. You know, I, I mean, no disrespect, man. But I think about the people willing to sacrifice everything to, to fight for a better future. I think about the pioneers of old who crash landed. I'm exaggerating, but landed upon empty shores and knew they had to build their own houses. No, this is no defense for what, what happened to the indigenous. I'm just talking about people who didn't know where they were going, what to expect, and had to literally land you know, on a shore with no building, sacrificing everything they knew and everyone they loved to make a better future. And today we don't have enough of that. We have people who hide behind anonymous accounts. I'll say what I want to say, man. I'll speak up for how I want to speak up. I will give you my opinions. I won't back down. And they can ban me for it. And they've taken down some of my videos. I'm lucky enough that my opinions are still close enough within the Overton window that I don't get banned. Many people who have spoken up have been purged completely. Well, you know what? You've got to build your own. If you want to be uh, uh, made of, made of, made of uh, paper and falling over the slightest uh, breeze, then you are free to do so. 
If you want to be made of plastic and just do what you are told and fit the mold, you are free to do so. But if you want to carve yourself out of stone, you got to make your own road. You got to dig that path and you can't expect someone to do it for you. So I don't know what that means. It may means life will be hard, but sure it was. When I worked for Vice, I was sleeping on couches, saving all of that money. That's your responsibility. If you don't want to be responsible to your, your family, to your community, and to what you believe in, then, then don't be. But the Black Lives Matter activists are speaking up, and they're standing up, and they're getting support for it. Speak up and stand up for what you believe in. This is not an endorsement for, or you know, I'm not condemning or condoning anything. In fact, my respect to activists like Hank Newsom, who stood up and said exactly what he needed to say to the people he needed to say it to. And now he's getting that support. Maybe it's because you won't stand up for, your, for what you believe that we're in this position in the first place. All I really want in the end is for everyone to come together and find solutions to the problems we face so that people can feel better. We can come together as, as one nation and stand strong. I'll see how, we'll, we'll see how things play out. I'm not confident, unfortunately. Next segment's coming up at TimCast.net. It is my main channel, 4 p.m. I'll see you all then. CNN is outraged that Donald Trump would flaunt social distancing in the Rose Garden. With this tweet, Jim Acosta says, the news conference was initially set up for social distancing. Then the White House rearranged the chairs before and after picks. Shocking. Why would Donald Trump do this? Well, we hear it from Brian Stelter of CNN. White House is using the press course props, sending the message that social distancing is no longer necessary. My, my, why would Donald Trump do such a thing? And why are people so angry about this? You see, it's not just CNN. There are many other outlets that are trying to maintain a dual narrative that makes literally no sense. I kid you not. As the narratives collide, we end up with stories absurd, as, as absurd as this. NYPD is taking protesters' masks and putting them at risk of coronavirus in custody. Protesters are being held as long as 50 hours with no protective gear or ability to social distance from other protesters in custody or cops. What? These people are marching shoulder to shoulder. Governor Whitmer him herself in Michigan, marching shoulder to shoulder. These people are flaunting social distancing while they wag their finger at you and say, you can't go back to school. You can't go back to work. Your businesses can't reopen. Nothing makes sense. The only thing you will get from this is that these people have nothing but contempt and utter disdain for you. See, early on, we all agreed we should social distance. We were worried that this was going to spread and get really bad like we'd seen in other countries. We did. The thing they said was 15 days to slow the spread. Well, that turned into months and we're technically still in the lockdown. Many small businesses no longer exist. They completely went under. Many large corporate chains also went under. Yet still, even with all the data, we are in this lockdown. However, recently, George Floyd protests erupted. And what did these politicians and media pundits say? Absolutely nothing. We all saw the photo and the video of the nurses blocking those trucks defiantly of those dumb rednecks who are going to get everybody sick and get grandma killed. Now, what do we see? Nurses and medical practitioners outside in full protective gear clapping for people. And that's what I find so hilarious about this. When you look at this photo of Governor Whitmer of Michigan, who went after small businesses, she's wearing a mask. You know what that means? These people know there's a pandemic. They just don't care. 
rules for thee, but not for me. So let's get started on the story. I want to go through once again, really quickly, the tweets from Jim Acosta, Brian Stelter, and another journalist. Before we do, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. The best thing you can do is share this video. I'm competing with powerful mainstream media outlets that I am criticizing right now that won't tell you the truth. They'll argue both narratives at the exact same time. Protesters are being put at risk by cops who won't social distance. What? Do you, they, what? The protesters are choosing to go out and do this. You won't hear it in the mainstream media. You'll hear that orange man is bad because he also agrees. If you would like to help me compete, I don't have the big marketing budgets and YouTube props up these big channels. Sharing the video is the best thing you can do. Otherwise, if you want to just hang out and watch, click the like button, the notification bell and subscribe for more videos. Here's Jim Acosta showing these images. And what's fascinating about this is it falls in line with the phenomenon we've seen the basically the entire Trump presidency. Donald Trump follows the news, often watches Fox News, and he'll hear a story and later he'll repeat it. After he does, the media does a 180 and completely counters everything Trump said. Let me give you another example. and We'll come back to this and I'll explain this. Early on in the coronavirus pandemic, TechCrunch.com published a story about, I believe it was a French study showing hydroxychloroquine combined with azithromycin could help alleviate the symptoms of the coronavirus and thus help people recover faster. Donald Trump, within a week or two, began saying, did you hear about this? This is amazing. This hydroxychloroquine, it's really helping. All of a sudden, the media erupted, unproven, 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 and dangerous. And then we saw a study emerge that all, all it did was look at a bunch of different stories, a bunch of different anecdotal data of instances where people were taking hydroxychloroquine. And they did a study, a grand overview of people who had the coronavirus, who took, who took hydroxychloroquine and who didn't. And they concluded that hydroxychloroquine did increase your chance of death. That study, as of just yesterday, I believe, has been totally retracted. Think about how insane this is. The first studies come out saying it's good. Trump says it's good. So they must say it's bad. There's a famous article from the satirical website, the news website, Babylon B. Trump comes, ingenious move, Trump comes out in favor of impeachment, forcing Democrats to oppose. That's been the history of the Trump presidency. Now, I know, look, I'm not saying everybody, you know, is a Trump supporter and everybody has to understand what, what you know, why that's relevant to you. But it is relevant to you because when, when you have the option of getting a medication that might, may or may not help you follow your, your doctor's instructions, the media was willing to take that away from you for points. Which brings me to Jim Acosta's tweet. So the White House rearranged the chairs. Yeah, you know why? Because thousands upon thousands of people have been marching to the street for weeks and the media stopped caring. So what is Trump to say other than, I guess we're done with this? I mean, people are out, jobs are coming back, uh, stores are reopening. It must be what's normal. As soon as Trump does it, once again, it's bad. And it really makes no sense. But here's a great, great, great example of this. John Carl, a reporter for ABC News, tweeted, this is a flagrant violation of CDC guidelines on social distancing and a move that puts reporters at risk for the purpose of turning the press corps into a prop for a so-called press conference where the president refuses to answer a single question. Oh, harumph, I say, good journalist. You must be so angry about all of the protesters who are going out shoulder to shoulder, including Governor Whitmer. What's that? They've said nothing about this. Surprise, surprise. Here's a story. From June 3rd, 
Chris Cuomo calls for police accountability. Too many people or too many see the protests as the problem. You're right, Chris Cuomo. The protests aren't the problem. Who cares if people aren't social distancing in the middle of a pandemic, right? That's right. Chris Cuomo actually thinks the protesters don't got to be peaceful either. He's blasted for suggesting protesters don't have to be peaceful. I bring you now to the ultimate betrayal. It goes beyond everything. This story from Politico. Suddenly, public health officials say social justice matters more than social distance. For months, health experts told Americans to stay home. Now many are encouraging the public to join mass protests. Who do we trust? Nothing seems to make sense. And I'll tell you this, man. The only thing I can conclude from all of this is that our leaders, our our journalists have nothing but hatred and disdain for the American people. They're all about tribe to the detriment of everyone else. And let me explain. You may be saying, Tim, no, they clearly care, care about the leftists. No, they don't. The pandemic is happening. Check this out. Mayor Bill de Blasio, apparently not too bright, can't explain why NYC saw a spike in coronavirus hospitalizations. Hmm, perhaps it has something to do with, I don't know, the massive amount of protesters running through your city. Nope, he's not entirely sure, he says. So listen, they know that the number of cases are going up. They just don't care if the leftists get sick and die. They just want to win the brownie points. And it's a weird circumstance because you have to imagine it'll backfire on them. I mean, these are your voters. So they support the protests. Chris Cuomo says, who says protests have to be peaceful? I mean, the First Amendment does. It says the right of the people to uh, peaceably assemble. But they don't care. So who gets hurt by this? Well, the small businesses get hurt. The big cities are getting hurt. And they have nothing but disdain for the conservatives who have protested for their businesses. And they have nothing but disdain for the protesters in the cities who will likely catch coronavirus and many of whom will die. I can't tell you why the, why the healthcare workers are doing it. I think it's blind tribalism. Let's read this story from Politico. They say, for months, public health experts have urged Americans to take every precaution to stop the spread of COVID-19, stay at home, steer clear of friends and extended family, and absolutely avoid large gatherings. Now, some of those experts are broadcasting a new message. It's time to get out of the house and join the mass protests against racism. Quote, we should always evaluate the risks and benefits of, uh, of efforts to control the virus. Jennifer Nuzzo, a Johns Hopkins epidemiologist, tweeted on Tuesday. In this moment, the public health risks of not protesting to demand an end to systemic racism greatly exceed the harms of the virus. That's actually not true. I'm pretty sure if you take the total amount of people, of, of black people, who have, uh, unarmed black people who have been killed by police, it is much, much lower than the 100,000 plus individuals who have died of the coronavirus since the start of the pandemic. So I believe you're actually you're, you're factually incorrect. Now, I can respect your opinion on the matter. You're factually wrong, though. What that means is if they understand what they're saying, it is better that 100,000 people die of a pandemic than it is that in their mind, racism exists. I think racism is really, really bad. But I also don't think you're actually going to change anything in a couple of weeks, but I do think you're going to contribute to mass death. So it's not even about 100,000 people. It's about you going out shoulder to shoulder, spreading this like crazy. And as they said, young people become asymptomatic carriers, which means you are doing so much more to, to just infect and harm the weakest of us. And they don't care. Why? Their ideology says so. The issue of racism 
is in many ways rooted in fact, but in many ways rooted in ideology. The issue of the pandemic could also be considered that in some ways, but is rooted in fact. We've seen a spike in deaths. We've tested for it. The tests aren't perfect. The numbers aren't perfect. Some people who didn't have COVID were claimed to have COVID. There's a lot of, there's a lot of problems, but the point is a virus is something we can see and track. Racism is nebulous. It changes and even the definition changes. So your ideology, of course, you think it's more important than the lives of those around you. Here's, here's, here's what they say, quote, the injustice that's evident to everyone right now needs to be addressed. Abrar Karan, a Brigham, uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital physician who's exhorted coronavirus experts to amplify the protests anti-racist message told me, while I have voiced concerns that protests risk creating more outbreaks, the status quo wasn't going to stop COVID-19 either. He wrote on Twitter last week, look at all the excuses that come out. You still can't open your business. I mean, you can sit inside of it looking at the broken glass while protesters walk past it and smile, but you can't give them anything. You can't sell them water. You can't even let them in the building. No, they'll come and they'll shut you down. And they've done it. This is the ultimate, ultimate insult to injury. Take a look at this. May 14th, only a few weeks ago, Michigan barber defying Governor Whitmer's coronavirus shutdown has license stripped. Look at this old man, a barber, not even in a big city, nowhere near the, out, the, the major outbreaks of coronavirus. What were they thinking with this? New York was the hot spot, not this Michigan small town. Carl Mankey, 77, became a symbol of resistance when he opened the doors of his Owasso shop on May 4th and refused to close, pledging to keep his doors open until police arrest him or Jesus walks in after a judge declined to sign an order to shut down his shop Monday without first holding a hearing. State regulators opted to suspend Mankey's barber and shop license. It is paramount that we take action to protect the public and do our part to help save lives. Attorney General Dana Nessel said Nessel doesn't care about you. She doesn't care about saving lives. You want to know how I know? Because the governor herself is marching shoulder to shoulder. Why? Where's the outrage? Disdain. She's even wearing a mask while doing it. It's, 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 it's just truly amazing. Fox 2 reporting. State leaders visited Metro Detroit Thursday to march in a unity walk as protesters prepare for another night on the streets of Detroit. For the seventh straight night, protesters are gathering to march in downtown Detroit following a unity walk from state and city leaders in memory of George Floyd. What, but I thought she just said we have to do everything in our power to protect the, pub, protect the public. What is this doing but guaranteeing the opposite? Thursday's unity walk involved Michigan residents from Highland Park to New Haven as people stood in solidarity and outrage against the death of George Floyd. They demanded change when it comes to police brutality and racial injustice in America. So here we can see the governor. Look, look at this. Even apparently the lieutenant governor. For seven straight days, the message has been loud and clear from voices like Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. We don't have another moment to waste. We do not have a step to waste. And when our brothers and sisters, they can't breathe, we do not have a breath to waste either. Truly amazing. This is a story from Vice that shows you how the narratives make no sense and are conflicting. I can't tell you what you should and shouldn't do because I don't know what is or isn't allowed. Right now, if you went out and protested for your cause, what would they say? I'd be really interested to see what would happen if anti-lockdown protesters actually came out now. Would they say, shut down your protests? Think about what that would look like as anti-lockdown protesters are walking around and the cops come and shut them down and start making arrests. 
but allow the George Floyd protesters to remain. How do we have that? No idea. But I mean, it even exists simply in business form. Look at this story from Vice News. They say, do the right thing. That's what 30-year-old musician Nico Sherrard shouted at a New York City police officer before he was arrested at a protest Saturday night in Lower Manhattan. The cop was arresting another protester, Hudson uh, Sackrider DiRico, when Shepard spoke up. I'm sorry, Sherrard spoke up. Then he was tackled and surrounded by men in uniform. They, they, had, they had got me down on the ground. I was screaming. I'm a black man. Please somebody film this. All I remember was getting punched and just seeing a group of white people with blue eyes and blue uniforms just wailing on me. As terrifying as that was, what happened next was even scarier. Girard and more than a dozen other protesters were thrown in a bus and transported a few blocks away to one police plaza, the NYPD's headquarters, where they were subject to long hours of detention in crowded confines that seemed to inevitably expose detainees to the deadly coronavirus. People were screaming, please give us our masks. They just packed us in here like sardines. There was one person who was turning red and throwing up and sweating. Someone was yelling that he had the coronavirus and they have us in here without masks on. These ridiculous, ridiculous people screaming they have the coronavirus, begging for masks. But that didn't stop them when they went out in the thousands, shoulder to shoulder, marching with signs. You know what? The blame goes to the police and the governments as well. New York City is, is also on the hook for all of this. The mayor defended his daughter when she went out and protested. These people have no morals. They have no principles. This is what you can expect. Now, listen, there are a lot of good people who don't know better. They're being exploited. I've talked to some of my friends and I've asked them, why would you support this? And to be honest, many of them didn't understand or know that there were protesters who wanted their businesses back. They didn't know. Why? Well, the media lied to them. That's what is happening. The media lies and, and these people don't read the news and they don't fact check and they don't know better. Fortunately, social media exists, at least in this regard, that we can share what's really happening and challenge the false narratives. Too many people, however, only get one side of the story. They say, this is a lot different from someone wanting a haircut, Tim. Yes, some people wanted haircuts. But more importantly, people wanted their businesses back open. But shouldn't people, people be allowed to choose if they can get a haircut or not anyway? What will you accomplish? And why is your ideology more important than, than another person's? That's the big challenge. I understand the Black Lives Matter protests. But how can you as a government say one ideology is better than another? How can you as a government say this person is morally justified and this person isn't? You can't. All people must be viewed equally under the law. Instead, the media uses cultural pressure and they don't actually care. The bigger issue isn't so much the media to, to, to it, uh, I'll admit. While I think it's funny that CNN and, you know, Brian Stelter and Jim Acosta are, are freaking out about social distancing props. The really scary thing is government. Mayor Bill de Blasio only last month said no protesting allowed. Now he's celebrating his daughter for protesting. Gretchen Whitmer said to this barber, no, you can't open your business. I'm doing this for your safety. She called the protesters white supremacists. Now she is out marching shoulder to shoulder. It's what you can expect. Rules for thee, but not for me. They are propping up a reactionary left that doesn't care about anything other than winning for the tribe. And those who have real things they need to do with their lives, their companies, their families are being told no. In the end, 
law abiding citizens are punished while people who flaunt the law are praised. If this is the system we live in, where the media is praising those who would violate the rules and condemning those who have legitimate reasons that the rules should be changed, why would anyone trust the establishment? They've lost all credibility in this regard. Bill de Blasio acting like he doesn't understand why people are getting sick is one of the funniest things you can ever see. But it shows you that, come on, you know he's lying. Have you seen the viral video of the man running around telling white women to kneel before him? And they do. It's because people are scared of the mob. I think Bill de Blasio knows full well why this is happening. I just think he's scared that he'll be called all the naughty words and then it will end his career. Well, they're already calling you for, uh, calling for you to resign, man. So I don't see what you, know, what you think you're fighting for. Here's what Vice, go, uh, Vice goes on to say. Arrested demonstrators, lawyers, and the activists who take care of released protesters told Vice News that protesters have been unable to stay six feet apart from one another in cramped holding pens and cells of police facilities, including one police plaza. No one reported being given a mask or any personal protective gear while in custody, and many of the police themselves rarely wore masks. Water was scarce. Quote, I don't know that the NYPD is purposefully trying to give protesters the coronavirus, but I think it makes it that much more urgent to try to get people through the system, said Rebecca Heinsen, a staff attorney at the Legal Aid Society who works in Manhattan. Or, I mean, they should be not uh, they, they should be not making these arrests. Shouldn't the protesters not be outside? Why is it always that your side is right? The media is being infiltrated by activists, and this is why the narrative is such. Jim Acosta is an activist. Brian Stouter is an activist. They care only for making money, and they won't tell you the truth. And the truth is, if Black Lives Matter protesters want to go out, I think they should be allowed to do it. If anti-lockdown protesters want to go out and protest, they should be allowed to do it. In all likelihood, it will create a risk for coronavirus, but the First Amendment doesn't stop at whether or not you might get sick. Now, there may be special emergency declarations that happen. That's fair. The government government may intervene. But how can we function as a society when the government targets one side and gives special benefits to the other? We can't. The media won't tell you that. They'll just tell you they're morally just. They'll try and wash away why it's happening and create strange justifications as to why they're right. And then the narrative collides. The protests are okay, but it's the police's fault when they get arrested that they're going to get coronavirus. Okay, got it. Businesses are being destroyed overnight. If you have no stuff, then how do you buy stuff? If businesses can't operate, services can't be rendered, there's nothing for anyone to do. It would seem like, regardless of why it's happening, the result is the complete and total collapse of, for the most part, major cities, and then some more suburban areas. Because business is gone. I mean, look, jobs are coming back. This is good news. But it really does seem like Democrats want to make sure this lasts forever. Think about it. You know, they say the police want people to get sick. Yeah, well, that's a Democrat city, right? NYPD. Why would they want that? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Force mail-in voting because they're still calling for mail-in voting, right? And they will. And it'll happen. Yeah, just, just watch. Just watch. They're going to say, oh, no, coronavirus. I wouldn't be surprised if in a month they were like, you know, we, were, we, we should have told people to be more careful during these protests. They'll, they'll say it. They'll say it to save face. But right now, it seems like they're going to get what they want. They've destroyed these local businesses. So now people's lives are completely ruined. They blame Trump for that. They then told all the protesters who want their businesses back that you're a bunch of morons and block their cars. 
they blamed Trump for that. They, they really did. Now the protesters are out in the street and they're angry. And these governments, uh, these, these local, local government officials are praising it. And they are still blaming Trump for this. And that's what you can expect. Come November, everything that happened will be Trump's fault. These people will get sick again. And no one's going to write up a story blaming Democrats for it. No, for the, not, not for the most part. It might appear you know, here and there. But now that we're likely to see a big spike in coronavirus cases, they'll say, we knew the risks, but it was important. And now that everyone's sick again, mm, we need mail-in voting. And then what happens? I don't know, man. Long shot prediction. The election will happen. It doesn't matter who wins, Trump or Biden. But if anomalies occur due to mail-in voting, then neither side will accept the results. And, and then where that goes, I honestly have no idea. But I can only imagine it doesn't go to a pretty place. I imagine things will get pretty dangerous. And you won't, unfortunately, you won't enjoy it. Now, some people have speculated once again that Trump won't accept the results of the, 20, of the 2020 election. Same thing they said with 2016. However, I think right now, based on what we're seeing, these are surface level manipulations. The media is lying and ignoring the true story. They are facing intense pressure to bend the knee to fringe claims, like uh, fringe ideologies that suggest abolish the police. It's not an exaggeration. I got, I got, I'll have a story coming up for you at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. And we're going to talk about how our major media institutions are now bending the knee for insane ideology that makes no sense. They're literally saying abolish the police. I am not exaggerating. I'll tell you this, though, with everything you've just seen, there are Americans who can see what's happening and can see the double standard. Combine that with Joe Biden, maybe, but the left certainly is, adopting the rhetoric, abolish the police. Far leftists, Ilhan Omar, for instance, has already said disband the police. If Joe Biden adopts abolish police as a principal campaign promise, Trump could stop campaigning today and win 530 electoral votes. We'll see how things play out. Stick around. Next segment will be at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast News, and I will see you all there. Whether you like it or not, I think we are going to start seeing some dramatic changes in this country having to do with police. This story has been going viral, and rightly so. Two Buffalo police officers are suspended for shoving a 75-year-old man who cracked his head on the sidewalk and is in hospital in a serious condition as Governor Cuomo blasts their utterly disgraceful actions. I don't care what you have to say, Cuomo. The politicians who have been running the show don't care, never cared. They're completely full of it. This kind of stuff has been happening for a really, really long time. And right now, it, it, it does seem like a lot of the rioting is starting to simmer down. But we're still seeing a, an overlap between the protests and the rioting. So there, there, there's still, you know, protesters fighting with police, police taking action against protesters and things like that. But man, are we seeing a lot of videos of heavy handed policing for seemingly no reason. Look, man, I follow basically everybody. I read news from across the political spectrum. And for a while, we had escalating riots and looting, exploitation of these protests. And now that kind of stuff has simmered a little bit, a little bit. There still is some rioting. But now we're seeing more and more videos that just show police doing things that they absolutely should not be doing. These cops are only getting suspended. But this, this video is insane. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't think I can actually play it. Maybe there's some photos. It's just some old man. And it seems like he's bickering with the police. And these guys walk up and shove him. He falls to the ground and hits his head and starts bleeding from the ear. And they look at him, call it in, walk away. 
That's what happens. And it shouldn't. And these cops are getting suspended. But I'll tell you what, man, it's almost like they want the riots to keep happening. We, we, I think we all like the fact that people want to peacefully protest and demand justice for George Floyd. That seems to be totally out of, out of the question at this point. I have no idea what people are protesting for anymore. They're dancing in the street. They're violating social distancing. And in New York, it's just become a complete hellscape. So here's what I think is going to happen, man. We see Minneapolis is talking about completely disbanding their police department. You might think that sounds completely absurd. There may, there may be some kind of positive there. You know, one thing that we, we've talked about quite a bit is that if the Second Amendment is bolstered and people have to rely on their own defense, then maybe you can defund the police. Maybe that's a big problem these cities are facing. But things like this can't keep happening. I get that you have these riots, these looters and these protests. But how does that justify shoving this man to the ground? It's a 75 year old man. You can walk around him. Some might say that maybe, you know, they don't know the potential threat. It's like, uh, you know what, man, if this is how you view the world, that a 75 year old guy who's, who's complaining should be shoved back by the cops instead of just moving away from him. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. I get that things are getting bad in this country, but if things are this bad, then I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. I really, really don't. New York City has become a complete dumpster fire. I mean, the state is a complete dumpster fire. You got Cuomo coming out talking about the disrespect the police face, then also coming out and criticizing the police. The dude is a horrible, horrible leader. We got some breaking news, too. Apparently, according to John Cardillo, NYPD source tells me on average six cops a day are resigning, and that number is expected to rise. That's in addition to normal attrition for retirement, disability, etc. This is disastrous for morale and manpower. Bill de Blasio is to blame. This man Greg Musselwhite responded, those in New York wishing to defund the police are evidently going to get their wish. When enough officers walk away, who will you call for help, New Yorkers? Here's the thing I, th- I think you got to realize. People in New York don't like calling the police anyway. Yeah, the, the city's got serious problems. That's what I find fascinating. You've got people who are more conservative and they live in rural areas. The police departments there are more likely to be officer friendly. In New York, you have you, you have, I don't know, uh, non-community members, people who don't care about you, who don't know you, who don't care about the law, just showing up and saying, I don't want to bother with this. The NYPD, in my opinion, has serious, serious problems. Take a look at this clip. This delivery guy thought he's an essential worker. Police seem to disagree. The rules issued before the curfew very unclear, but according to the state, restaurants, bar and food industry workers are classified as essential. This guy is carrying a delivery box. He is a delivery man to bring food to people. He gets arrested. He's screaming, are you serious? Are you serious? Yep. Yeah, they're serious, man. They absolutely are serious. I don't see how we solve this this problem. I do think it's important to point out that these are different departments in different cities. But I think ultimately what you know I was talking about last night, the solution might be that these cities are just, you, you cannot have this many humans living in these places. I'm sorry. Unless you want extreme authoritarianism, this, what's happening in New York, the scale of how many people live there, it doesn't work with our constitution. Now, you you can point to countries like China, where they have like 30 different New York style cities, you know, like 10 million people living in big cities. Yeah. And they're also a communist authoritarian dictatorship and they don't and, and, and people get disappeared all the time. But in America, where we have a constitution, they shouldn't be arresting a delivery guy. 
So look, man, I'm not saying every single cop in New York, New York City is bad, but I can say it becomes a serious problem when the cops don't know you, don't care about you, and have no fear that if they violate the law, anything bad will happen to them because then they just, they're just going to do it. Do you think, listen, according to this guy, he's yelling like the app says I'm allowed to be out past curfew. Like he's a delivery guy. Maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's wrong. But does it make sense for them to actually arrest a delivery guy? There's no compassion and there is no, there's no humanity. Like they they look at a piece of paper and it says arrest anyone. They go, okay, regardless, don't care. We're not going to think twice. It's probably why you're seeing people resign from the NYPD as much as you, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, what, you know what scares me? These six cops resigning. Some of it, some people are saying it's due to the fact that they're not getting any support. Maybe. Then I'll tell you what. Sounds like those are the good cops. And that really freaks me out. The cops who are willing to resign either because of the, the, they don't like the actions the NYPD is undertaking. They don't like the fact that they get no support from the city or that people don't like them. There's a lot of reasons why they might be resigning right now in these large numbers. Well, I think those are more likely to be the good cops, the ones who are actually asking the question of why are we doing this? What should we be doing? And why aren't we getting the support we need? Furthermore, I think it's just obvious that a lot of people are looking at this and saying, like, come on, man, if you were if you're a cop and they say, here's a delivery guy riding his bike or whatever, going to go bring cheeseburgers, to someone's apartment, arrest him. And you're going to say yes to that. I'm sorry, man. If you're if you're one of these cops and they put you on riot duty or whatever, and they and someone walks up and shoves an old man to the ground. Are you just going to walk away? You know what, dude? This is the problem. They just I don't know. I don't know what it is with these people. I don't know who these people are. There's a viral video of like DC cops whacking people with batons. And I'm like, who are these people when they go home? Why are you coming into work is, if this is what you want to do? And the scary thing about all of this is how job loss has affected the desperation. But I'm curious, man. Do you think, you know, these, these cops are doing this? And again, I'm not saying literally every cop. I'm saying the, the ones we're seeing in these videos who are doing these stupid things. The good cops apparently are just quitting outright, which is bad. You know, we're going to end up with nothing but the bad cops. But I'm just, I'm wondering if because of unemployment going down so much, or I'm sorry, uh, because of unemployment being so high, it was recently announced that it's going down. Because it's so high, I wonder if a lot of these cops are just scared. They don't want to be one of those people who loses their jobs. So they'll do what they're told. This is similar to what we see in many dictatorships. I'm not trying to say that right now we are dealing with police acting like a dictatorship. No, what I'm saying is in countries like Venezuela, they tell you straight up, you work for you work for us. You get the food first. So the poor people are starving and angry and the cops and the soldiers come out and suppress the protests because they don't want to lose their access to food. So it's not the same thing for sure. But there's like a similar thing there where a lot of these cops probably just don't care. I don't want to lose my job. I'm going to do whatever I'm told, whatever. I don't know, man. There's apparently some some like uh, uh, story. I don't know if it's true or not. They said that in New York City, they were purposefully hiring people with low IQs to be police officers. Be, and there was like some lawsuit about it. That might just be, you know, propaganda from the left. Something I've heard. I don't know. Probably, probably pointless to bring up. But what's happening across this country is is similar. It seems like our police departments, whether you like them or not, whether you're in favor of these big city cops or not, they're falling apart. Santa Monica police chief faces calls to resign after officers watch businesses being looted and do nothing. I'm sorry, officer. I'm, I'm sorry, cops. I know. I know there are a lot of good cops. Met them personally in my life. I've been saved by cops. I was uh, someone tried mugging me in Chicago. Some uh, some plainclothes guys jumped out of nowhere, saved me from a mugger. It's a true story. I'm glad they were there. I appreciate that. I appreciate that when I've had serious problems and have called the police, 
while not perfect, there are certain things I've been able to have taken care of because of police. I've also uh, I've been jammed up by police. But you know what, man? This story just shows there's nothing you can do. All right. There's nothing you can do. And that's why I think what we're probably looking at is some kind of collapse of modern policing for real. And maybe it's good, you know, because because like, like I said uh, about community policing and people and the Second Amendment, this might be a win win for everybody. These big cities are not the countryside. And this is why I think it's, you know, I find it strange. There are a lot of conservatives that just outright defend police no matter what. It's why I always kind of thought that, you know, Blue Lives Matter at protests were, to me, that was kind of strange. You know, I'll tell you why. I, I understand the sentiment and I understand wanting to defend police where you're from. But you got to understand is the protesters in New York City aren't protesting officer friendly. They're not protesting the local precinct for your town. They're protesting a massive multi-complex institution where you have a bunch of people who make six figures and they don't care about you. And they arrest delivery drivers or delivery, you know, bikers, uh, whatever you want to call it, delivery men, because they're out late at night. The things we've seen, we see in New York, it's you, you can argue it helps maintain order. And I think that's fair to point out. But you can also point out that the, the margin of error be, becomes it, 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 untenable, as it were. Here's, here's why I bring up this story about Santa Monica police, the Santa Monica police chief. It's from a couple days ago. The, the businesses were being looted and they did nothing. You know why? Well, if these police actually tried stopping the looters, then videos would emerge of police brutality. And then you'd probably see people complaining about it. So if the cops do what they're supposed to do and arrest people and the people fight with them, then the videos make them look bad. So a lot of, a lot of cops in New York who aren't getting support say, I'm not going to do it. Many are resigning. And many others just stand around. We've also seen reports that police are just standing around, not, not doing anything to stop it. Could be why Tom Cotton wants the military called in and why people are saying the National Guard should be called in. A majority of America, according to Morning Consult, 58% wants the military called in. And maybe it's this, for this reason. These cops, this, this police chief, look, I'm sure there are a lot of people complaining right now that the cops aren't doing their job to stop the looting. The problem is, no matter what they do, people will come after them. And the same is true for, for uh, you know, for New York City and many other departments, which is why I think, you know, ultimately this may result in some kind of complete change to how policing works. It might actually get very, very bad for, for some time. But, you know, one thing I've brought up a lot about, I want to go back to what I was saying about Blue Lives Matter. It's like, I, I totally get it. You know, the, the officers who lose their lives and all that stuff, that, that's, that's horrifying. And it's happened a lot. There's been, there's been uh, you know, a cop was ambushed, I think, in Vegas critical condition, this horrifying stories. But the weirdest thing to me as more of a, I guess you'd call it a civil libertarian. I don't mean big L libertarian. I mean like liberty minded individual. I don't like being in a big city and having cops show up and arbitrarily make up rules and just arrest you when you're, when you're, when you're protesting peacefully. And I've seen it happen all over New York. That's why I have very little sympathy for a lot of these New York cops, especially when I see a video of them arresting a, a delivery guy. I believe in the constitution and a great argument was made to me by the Second Amendment a couple of years ago. The other night I was on Crowder and he asked me when, you know, I had my you know, moment where I switched or realized it. And I said, someone mentioned to me that my view on reasonable restrictions on gun ownership would constitute reasonable restrictions on speech. And I thought, that's actually a really good point. No one's ever brought up to me. Right. OK, well, there's no logical situation where I can argue someone one, one, one amendment should be should be restricted. One shouldn't. Good point. All right. Well, there you go. I, I can't argue it. Right. Now, I mean, honestly, with all the rioting and looting and the police standing down, there's no real argument at this point against it. And it's kind of like everybody needs to get a weapon. You may have seen that uh, uh, Crowder actually, 
I guess got Sig, Sig Sauer to, they're going to send me an, uh, a Sig M400 or something. So yes. <laughs> yeah, at this point, outside of all that, I think the police can't do it. And, that, and that's the, the, the main point, right? Look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a milk toast fence sitter, they say, right? But there's a reason for it. Because each and every one of these cops, each and every one of these departments, each and every one of these cities is very, very different. But there are major cultural differences across the country. In, in rural areas where you have smaller populations, you're more likely to know the police and the police aren't just held accountable by some review board that might, you know, file a, you know, file a lawsuit or, you know, take their pension or some other nonsense. It's their neighbors who will shun them and they don't like that. So in smaller policing, it works. But these big cities have become disasters. Big cities like, you know, Los Angeles County is massive and spread out. So Santa Monica is very different from the LAPD, for instance. But what are they going to do? It's, 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 it's all different everywhere. And in these big cities, there's no solution because everyone's going nuts. This is something that I call uh, the, the scaling problem, right? And the easiest way to explain it is if 100 iPhones are given out to celebrities, and 1% of those iPhones break. Then you have one celebrity saying, my iPhone broke. And everyone goes, oh, that sucks. And that's it. If they give out 100 million iPhones and 1%, the same margin of failure, 1% break, then you have a million people screaming and everyone's freaking out like, whoa, what's going on with these broken iPhones, man? It's the same failure rate. It's just because you've got too many. So here's what happens, I think. With New York City, you have so many people you might have a similar percentage of, you know, uh, unarmed people being beaten, arrested, un, you know, unlawful arrests, uh, malicious prosecution or whatever. But when you take 13 million people and you put them in a city and we're a country that respects, it, you know, the presumption of innocence and things like that, you'll end up with a similar margin of error, but you end up with a larger number, period. So people tolerate less failure as the population grows. So let's say you have, you know, a hundred people and one person gets whacked by a cop and arrested. They say, well, you know, they, they, they look into it and say that shouldn't have happened. That guy shouldn't have been hit. It's one time, you know, we'll make sure it doesn't happen again. You have a hundred thousand people. Now you have a thousand stories, you know, in the same time span and people are going like, what is happening? And they'll call it an epidemic when really it's the same percentage. So this is why I think we're going to see a radical transformation in policing. I think as this, these, these communities grow and grow and grow, we can't operate in the exact same way because the connection between the police and the community is gone. It's completely gone. I don't know ultimately what that will result in. And it could also be that big cities just don't work. They don't, unfortunately. You'll see more videos of this old man being knocked down by a cop. And you'll have the, 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 these cops are being told what they can and can't do what they have to do. And you'll end up seeing tons of cops start resigning. And that's what we're seeing now. The system is, is buckling under the pressure, and it seems like it's on the verge of collapse. So you have two, two, two potential scenarios. In, in, in New York, six NYPD resigning every day, apparently. Uh, on average, six a day are resigning. In Santa Monica, people are demanding the resignation. Now, some people I see in response to the NYPD resignation, they, they, say, they say things like, oh, these people will regret it. I see people make reference to the Minneapolis Police Department saying, oh, these people will regret it. I'm not so sure they will. I'm not. You know why? They're defending the looting and the rioting. Let them have what they want. I, you know what, man? I know people who, you know, people have messaged me saying they're from the you know, Twin Cities and stuff. And uh, they fled. I've gotten messages from people saying they're, they're getting out because they see how bad it's getting. But look, 
when you have these riots break out and the left defends them saying it's trauma and anger, the police are going to try and stop that because the police are trying to maintain order and to an extent protect life and property. Residents, I'm sure, want the police to do this. But these same residents aren't coming out and supporting the police. These same residents aren't active themselves in stopping the violence. Most of them just shut up and don't say anything. That leaves you with a large vocal minority saying the rioting is good. And that means the police will have no support and they'll resign. And then those residents who said nothing will probably just leave. So what's left? The people in the city are the ones that cheered for it and they'll get what they want. I don't think they realize what what this will be like. I don't think they realize what's happening in New York City. It's the craziest thing about this Tom Cotton uh, op-ed where he said, send in the military. They're acting like he was talking about targeting peaceful protesters. He wasn't. He was talking about targeting the opportunistic looters who are showing up in Rolls Royces in in midtown Manhattan, smashing windows and stealing stuff, not protesting at all, manipulating, exploiting and taking advantage. But all of these people on the left get mad. So I say, fine, give them what they want. Stop complaining about it. And we've seen it. Santa Monica police chief just stood by and watched things get looted. Hey, man, you were complaining about the cops. So here's what you get. Unfortunately for the conservatives and the business owners, this is, this is, what, this is what's happening. So I'll tell you what, man. If the police do their jobs when it comes to rioting, there will be videos coming out saying that the police are brutalizing people. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm livid about that old man and all these other videos where the cops seemingly have a heavy hand against peaceful protesters. And yeah, seemingly for no reason. I guess the, 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 the way I can kind of wrap this up is there is no way to solve this problem. You know, maybe if the police stop doing anything that, you know, they, they don't, they stop, they stop trying to stop the looters. Maybe if the police departments get this, get disbanded or whatever they want to do, then it'll be the responsibility will fall on individuals. And maybe then they will get a taste of some real hard times. Maybe those hard times are what people might need to experience what life will really be like. Yeah, you know, it's funny. They don't know how good they have it. You know, they, they don't know how good everything is for them, how safe they are, because they've not been to other places where they don't have these benefits. I've been to countries where the police are, are literally corrupt, where they walk up and they say, pay me or else. I've, I've, I've been to these places. It's not like that here. So there's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of these people. I don't know. I, I don't know where we're going, but I can say because of all of this, the rioting, whatever, the, the, the police brutality, whatever, like a 75 year old man getting knocked down. I'm sorry, dude, no excuse for this. There's just, there's nothing. There's nothing. At a certain point, you as an individual have to decide whether or not you're going to take responsibility and just walk past the guy or something like that, or have a couple cops take them and pat them on the back and walk them through. Instead, they shove them. It's not working. So I think we're headed towards complete chaos. I really, really do. Especially with the escalation of force from the extremists on the left. I think it's going to get, it's going to get, it's going to get crazy. And what's funny is they talk about disbanding the police. They're focused too much on looting, rioting, and protesting. And they're ignoring the fact, fact that extremists will absolutely move in the moment there's nothing that will stop them. I don't think it matters to any of these people, though. They don't think ahead. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll see you all then. In the latest expose from Project Veritas, we see that they have successfully infiltrated a far-left extremist organization. And on the surface, you could actually argue there's not much to see here. No, they are actually extremists, and I'm going to break it down for you. 
Project Veritas went to a group called the Base Anarchist Political Center, where they saw people training for combat, you know, to engage in violence. The first thing I want to say before we read this is there's absolutely nothing, nothing illegal about individuals with opinions, even bad ones, and individuals who do combat and self-defense training. That in and of itself is nothing. Then when you combine this with the overt ideology and the explicit support they give for extremism, you then put them in a very, very obvious camp. And what we've heard so far, so you got to understand, with what Trump has said about, you know, deeming Antifa terrorists doesn't mean they're going to show up to the base headquarters and arrest anybody. It doesn't mean anybody there has done anything illegal. In fact, they haven't, at least from what I can see in this video. But if these people engage in overt acts of violence, these things will likely be taken into consideration when charges are brought. Much like hate crimes, if you go and punch somebody, assault and battery, if you go and yell a slur and punch somebody, assault, battery, hate crime charge. You see, you see how this works? Let's read the story. Veritas says breaking New York Antifa members train for violence. Quote, so if that doesn't knock them out, poke the eyes. Absolutely. Interesting. They say in a second video installment, Project Veritas today released footage exposing the violent nature of the New York based Antifa chapter. Our second expose Antifa installment demonstrates just how far the group will go to engage in physical combat, evade arrests and promote the most damage possible on the streets, said James O'Keefe, CEO and founder of Veritas. Here are a few statements from Antifa members in our latest videos. One instructor says, if you get a good liver or kidney shot, it's pretty much crippling them. They're going to be doubled over in a lot of pain. If you break one of the floating ribs, which are small and right down here, those are also very painful. It's hard to move after that to catch a breath. So one good body shot could potentially give you all the time in the world to run away while they're doubled over in pain or really put a beating on them after that if you really want to make it personal. First of all, that is where it crosses the line. If he stopped and just said that would give you time to get away, it'd probably be fine. But what they're talking about doing is inflicting physical damage for no other reason than emotional satisfaction. That's where it gets over the top. Here's another quote. We just kind of wanted to, in this space, reframe the idea of self-defense as not simply you're being acted upon by an aggressor, but it's kind of a decision you might you make to fight back. In a lot of ways to say, I am human and I occupy this space and I will not be effed with. They're basically saying, call it self-defense when you start the fight. Legally, it doesn't work. You can see why this ideology is dangerous. He also said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that doesn't knock them out, then yeah, the nose, the eyes, poke the eyes. Absolutely. Quote, we call this a safe space to practice aggression, not aggression against one another, but really just a space that if you want to, or if you want to challenge yourself to kind of work on harnessing that kind of energy. Attorney General William Barr said Thursday, there are extremist agitators who are hijacking the protests to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. Our latest video further proves how structured Antifa is. It is an international organization with sophisticated admission requirements and paramilitary physical training. Project Veritas will continue to expose them, yada, yada. Okay, here's the, the first and most important thing. Antifa uses the disorganized tactic. Uh, they say they're disorganized as a principal tactic of what they are and, and, and what they do. They will tell you there's no official Antifa because they're trying to evade law enforcement. This may work on unsuspecting regular people who then mindlessly parrot their propaganda. But I assure you, a prosecutor would easily build a case against Antifa. 
They have a flag. They have a tattoo. They have international cells. They operate independently, but they coordinate with each other and they exchange funds and training. It is not hard to see where this goes. It's how gangs work. It's how the mob works. It's how cartels work. You get it? Just because Antifa is really bad at what they do doesn't mean that they're any less of a terror group or, you know, in a sense, each individual cell and organization. But I do want to point out, they're actually not as bad as some people would think. The, what, what Antifa is doing right now and what you're seeing is called death by a thousand cuts. They do very low tier acts of uh, terror in order to win in the long term. It works. That's what's scary. And fighting it is very, very difficult. The easiest, to ex- the easiest way to explain the power of death by a thousand cuts is that Antifa will show up with a baton, not likely to really end anyone's life, but nobody wants to get hit by a baton. So when you see all these people show up and you know what they're willing to do, you, well, you bend the knee. I'll give you an example. I put an event last year. Uh, it was a theater where we were going to be doing an, uh, an event called, it was called something like ending racism, violence, and authoritarianism. We had an, an eclectic group of speakers. The headliner was Daryl Davis, a renowned anti-racist who de-radicalizes white supremacists. Antifa threatened to burn the theater down. Would they actually do it? I don't know, but it didn't matter. The theater owner immediately canceled the contract in violation, like basically just breached the contract. And then we had to decide whether or not we wanted to go after a, you know, a lawsuit and we ended up losing a lot of money over it. Nah, we had backup plans. The event went off without a hitch. We had to move. That's because people like me and the people involved are resilient and we refuse to allow terrorists to shut us down. But this theater owner bent over immediately due to a threat of terrorism. These are people who called the theater and said, I do not like the political message being brought to this theater. And they apparently threatened to burn it down. Now, now the reason I say apparently too, and I want to be careful is I don't know what they told the guy, but that's what he said apparently. And then the police said it. And that was the threat that, that went around and he immediately shut everything down. That's death by a thousand cuts. Target low level events. Don't allow people to unify. Don't allow Americans to actually get their footing. The goal of this event was to have libertarians, conservatives, liberals, progressives sit down and talk to each other. And that would de-radicalize and de-escalate. But Antifa wants the escalation because they need a reason to actually break things down. These Black Lives Matter protests have been a godsend. It provides them cover to engage in overt acts of terror. And all of a sudden, all of these companies across the country bend the knee. It's what they want. Now, let me address this about about the base. They've got a a storefront in, in Brooklyn. They do trainings and meeting. All of these things are legal which is why the U.S. government doesn't like labeling uh, domestic groups as terrorists because First Amendment rights to speak and self-defense and combat training are totally legal. Right. Now I want to show you their Twitter account. Take a look at this pinned tweet from the base. They said the anti-pig movement in NYC is now all the way live. We have all had enough of these pigs all out tonight. Let's keep the let's keep the pushing these swine until they permanently retreat. And they show a picture of burning vehicles. Now, I got to say, to me, it sounds like this is illegal. I'm not, a, I'm not a prosecutor. I can't tell you. But this seems like direct incitement to acts of terror. We'll see what actually happens. 
Another thing you need to consider is that the FBI probably already has infiltrators in groups like this. And because they're often really bad at what they do, we don't see a whole lot done about it. But this, I mean, this tweet should be suspended from Twitter, right? No, come on, man. We all can, we can all see what's happening. Twitter will call out Matt Gates, the president. But this account with 113 retweets can be reported a million times. They don't care. They're going to let this stuff stay up. We can also see that they actively promote Retweets are not necessarily endorsements, but I think in this regard, we know what they're saying. Antifa Sacramento in solidarity with vandalism on the, on the front of a building. I'm not super worried about vandalism on the front of a building, but let me tell you why this is dangerous. In this photo, you can see it says kill all pigs, right? And they, they wrote KKK on the door and things like that. You might say, that's just graffiti. Calm down. Shut up. Maybe some vandal- vandalism because the windows are broken or yeah, a couple of windows are broken. The issue is when you see that um, there, there was a guy in, in uh, Tacoma, I believe, who showed up to an ICE facility with firebombs and a rifle. This is all strategic. One person does one extreme act, but not over the top enough to get national news for an, ex- for an extended period. Then when you show up in graffiti, you're reminding them of what is possible. The fear of pain is often worse than the pain itself. So this is a is part of their tactics of keeping things simmered down and low level enough to where people are scared and refuse to defy them, but not loud enough that it shocks the mainstream media. In fact, the mainstream media has defended them over and over again because of this tactic. It's very clever. Well, they may still be losing. According to Rasmussen reports, this is just one poll. They say 49% say that Antifa is a terror organization. Uh, it's, it's, it's just Rasmussen. They tend to be favorable, favorable to the president. It doesn't mean they're wrong, but I usually prefer multiple polls. I don't know if polls are enough. What I can say is you've got to look deeper than just what you see. Right now, Andy No, journalist, is suing Rose City Antifa. The New York Times likes to prop up that silly propaganda that there's no real organization. They said nebulous group. No, Andy No is targeting a specific organization with a brand and their own merchandise called Rose City Antifa. So he is going after people. He has named them. They have finances. This will happen. And it'll be really strange for the media to now say he's suing no one. No, that's not how it works. Apparently, though, you can file suits. It allows for discovery where you can actually go after financing. This may uncover a lot of you know nasty dealings between this cell. Rose City Antifa violates a lot of the rules of operational security that the far left uses, notably having a branded name and having, you know, discernible leaders among their ranks. Because of this, they are they are going it's because of this, they're they're weak. And that's why we can see they're the ones being targeted by claiming we're not really an organization. It empowers them. It's It's a clever move. But never forget, they're lying to you when they say this. They have a real agenda. They're not anarchists. They are not about liberty. They are about radical authoritarianism. They will use the image of anarchy. Why? They want you to believe that if their revolution succeeds, you will be free to do anything. They talk about utopianist visions of free healthcare in school. Why? They're promising you 72 virgins in heaven. The reality is they are dangerous authoritarians. At the moment they win, they go after all of the liberal intellectuals who propped them up. We have seen it over and over again throughout history. Make no mistake, those that forget the past are doomed to repeat it. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. The gray lady herself has fallen. 
Now, many of you may not know what that means. The gray lady is the New York Times, the paper of record, the most influential newspaper in the world. And they've fallen. Now, I know many of you may have been saying, Tim, the New York Times has been compromised for a long, long time. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) You think the bias was bad. Wait until the New York Times comes out as an overt propaganda arm for intersectional, intersectional dogma and then goes extreme in the lies they produce and the influence they wield to manipulate government and what that could result in. It will be nightmarish. You see, it all started with an op-ed from Tom Cotton when he said, send in the troops. This was not, in my opinion, shocking in the least bit. He was talking about the Insurrection Act. He was talking about protecting peaceful protests. Over time, the New York Times has brought in intersectionalists. They've been inflating, uh, infiltrating the ranks. Now they've infiltrated enough to where they can attack like a bacteria. Once enough of the viral load is in, they attack and they try and destroy the host organism. If the New York Times flips completely, you will look, man, if you thought Gamergate was bad with ethics and journalism, wait till the New York Times goes beyond bias and literally starts making things up. They will. You might be saying they make things up now. No, no, no. Hold on. They have perpetuated hoaxes like the YouTube rabbit hole hoax front page story. That's where it starts. You thought that was bad? Wait till they go tenfold. Wait till they don't don't even use actual subjects and just lie outright. Check this out. More than 160 NYT employees planned a virtual walkout on Friday over Tom Cotton's op-ed. And now we can see exactly what's happening thanks to James Lindsay. He is the famous individual, one of the trio in the Sokol Squared hoax, where they produced fake studies that got published in prominent journals targeting intersectionality. Famous writer Andrew Sullivan says, it's important to understand that what the mob is now doing to The New York Times is what they did to Evergreen University. They hate liberal institutions and they want them dismantled from within. These people are not liberal and they are a disgrace to journalism. James Lindsay says you put it very, very mildly, to be honest. And then James Lindsay gives us the real breakdown of exactly what they're doing and how they do it. And let me remind you, when the New York Times flips completely and starts making things up, don't be surprised when mobs show up at your door because they publish your address. That's how scary things will become. Barry Weiss also has a really great breakdown of this. But first, I want to show you James Lindsay, who tells us how the intersectional cult destroys institutions. He says, this is how it always goes. One, pack the court with enough sympathizers. 15% is enough. Find or manufacture precipitating event. Three, raise holy hell about it. Four, divide and conquer racists versus anti-racists with no neutral allowed on team racist if you're neutral. Five, press until owned or dead. That's evergreen. That's the new atheism movement. That's uh, a revelry. That's the knitting thing, I believe. The knitting form, yes. That's young adult fiction. That's romance fiction. I could go on. That's the critical playbook to stage a coup outside of academia where it's slightly different. If they conquer or kill the institution, doesn't matter to them because both are a win. Conquered, it's theirs. Killed, one less irredeemably racist institution. Big slash useful institutions, the New York Times, will be propped up with nonprofit money so their corpse can be worn like a skin suit. And then regular Americans who are scared and don't know better will see the New York Times come out and say, so-and-so is a baddie. So-and-so did wrong, must be stopped. And they'll just say, please, please leave me alone. 
The last thing a regular, regular person wants is to have their information published in the New York Times or CNN and be targeted. CNN's already been doing this. The infiltration is in front of us. CNN published the name and, and, and workplace of some forklift operator for posting a meme video. Why? It's a threat. Imagine what would happen when the New York Times starts doing this every day, nonstop and mass. You thought it was bad now, and it is. It could, it could be 10 times worse. Now, Barry Weiss of the New York Times actually wrote about this, and she wrote a really interesting thread. She said the civil war inside the New York Times between the mostly young wokes and the, most, and the mostly 40 plus liberals is the same one raging inside other publications and companies across the country. The dynamic is always the same. The old guard lives by a set of principles we can broadly call civil libertarianism. They assumed they shared that worldview with the young people they hired who called themselves liberals and progressives. But it was an incorrect assumption. The new guard has a different worldview, one articulated best by Jonathan Haidt. And uh, this individual is Greg Lukanoff. They call it safetyism, in which the right of people to feel emotionally and psychologically safe trumps what were previously considered core liberal values like free speech. Perhaps the cleanest example of this this dynamic was in 2018, when David Remnick, under tremendous public pressure from his staffers, disinvited Steve Bannon from appearing on stage at, at the New Yorker Ideas Festival. But there are dozens and dozens of examples. She says, I've been mocked by many people over the past few years for writing about the campus culture wars. They told me it was a sideshow, but this was always why it mattered. The people who graduated from those campuses would rise to power inside key institutions and transform them. I'm in no way surprised by what has now exploded into public view. In a way, it's oddly comforting. I feel less alone and less crazy trying to explain the dynamic to people. What I am shocked by is the speed. I thought it would take a few years, not a few weeks. Me too. Me too. I was talking to a friend. They posted Cassandra Fairbanks's address on Twitter. And I said, look, man, they post the address. It's only a matter of time before someone shows up. I didn't realize it would be that day, that night, a a group of extremists showed up to her house. She's a conservative journalist and fired live ammo and fireworks. Apparently, the police uncovered, uh, discovered casings or something like that. I didn't think it would be overnight. Everything we're seeing happening is accelerating because this infection, this intersectional cult is rapidly accelerating. It's crazy because I thought it was over. No, it went dormant for a little while, laid low, and now is striking back with a vengeance. She said, here's one way to think about what's at stake. The New York Times motto is, quote, all the news that's fit to print. One group emphasizes the word all, the other the word fit. That's a really, really amazing point from Barry Weiss. She's completely correct. I'm impressed. She said, with regard to Tom Cotton's op-ed and the choice to run it, I agree with our critics that it's a dodge to say we want a totally open marketplace of ideas. There are limits. Obviously, the question is, does his world, does his view fall outside those limits? Maybe the answer is yes. If the answer is yes, it means that the view of more than half of Americans are unacceptable. And perhaps they are. This is because a plurality of Democrats would support calling the U.S. military to aid. Let me let me let me let me actually pull this article up to get you the, the full headline. A plurality of Democrats would support calling in the U.S. military to aid police during protests. Poll shows. Barry Weiss has just said the majority of Democrats, I'm sorry, a plurality, not a majority, plurality, but a majority of Americans would support this as well. Why then should we pander to a minority? That's not democracy. That's the same argument they use about the Electoral College. Now, understandably, 
there is a reason to pan- to cater to the minority for sure. And the issue is that, well, we're a republic, not a democracy. A republic is, well, a, a democracy is two, two wolves and a lamb deciding what's for lunch. A republic is a well-armed lamb con- contesting the vote. Just because the majority says bring the military out doesn't mean we should do it. So it's a good point to challenge these ideas. However, a core tenet of a republic would be legitimate debate over issues regardless of whether the majority supported them. In which case, let's hear what the majority position is, and let's hear what the minority position is, and then we will operate within the confines of the law. It's not always perfect. It's not always easy. But what's scary to me here is that we are seeing something truly, truly shocking. Jesse Single says, it's not a good sign that Zach felt the need to all but apologize for his original tweet, where he said abolish the police was absurd. In this case, expressing a position held by 90% of Americans, people of color, isn't enough. He has to be educated, made to repent. This is what is going on in many news organizations. Zach Bochamp said, I'm sorry, but quote, abolish the police seems like a poorly thought out idea that's gotten popular with shocking speed. He then said, talk to a number of people I respect about the framing of the original tweet. And I do feel like it was a mistake. It was far too dismissive. And then I ironically complained about condescending replies. We all send bad tweets sometimes. This was one of mine. Maybe the cult will burn itself out, but it's taking over the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and all of these mainstream organizations. I know they've always been pretty bad in different ways. They're biased. But I don't think you want to see what it's like when the entire institutions go 100% woke. Now, don't get me wrong. The New York Times already published the 1619 Project, which is overt fake news and is rewriting history. But what do you think? What do you think is going to be like when you see everything flip and it's starting? I'll tell you what, man, you should really, really look at history. Spanish Civil War, World War I, World War II. Take a look at this because those that forget the past are doomed to repeat it. I, I can see where all of this is going. I, I, I have uh, grand assumptions and opinions. And I'll tell you what, you may have seen that on Steven Crowder's show last night, he announced he had gotten me a SIG M400 for personal defense. Why? Because they showed up to Cassandra Fairbanks house with guns and with fireworks. And that's not where it ends. It's where it starts. They had showed, they showed up to Tucker Carlson's house before banging on his door. Well, I can only make assumptions about what comes with escalation. In which case, I've decided to escalate my personal defense. I have no intention of engaging in any kind of protest activity or going out in the world with any of this stuff. No, in fact, I'm going to be probably moving further into the countryside and getting away from New Jersey in defensive maneuvers to be left alone. But when I see this, you'll see, you'll, you will see the worst of the worst come out when these people gain control of the reins. Right now, they're tilting the, the, the ship. They're leaning it to one side. You're not going to be happy when they take the steering wheel. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Perhaps the greatest gift to Donald Trump is Ilhan Omar, who recently said it's time to disband the Minneapolis Police Department. But the sentiment from the left and Democrats extends well beyond disbanding just one police department. Now, in all fairness, I've had a long conversation uh, on the podcast and with others on Stephen Crowder even about how actually disbanding the police in a certain capacity makes sense. Now, hear me out. It does. One of the things proposed is that people would be responsible for their own community watch 
a bolstered Second Amendment, people would go out and arm themselves and be trained and be responsible for their own communities. You'd have much more localized neighborhood watches. That might make sense. And then swapping out to something more administrative for local police departments or having them be something else entirely. Regardless of the potential, which I think an argument could be made, the reality is the overwhelming majority of Americans do not agree with abolishing or disbanding the police. So why would Ilhan Omar say it? (laughs) I don't know, man. But I'll tell you what, this is a gift to Donald Trump. If Joe Biden says anything, anywhere close to this, Trump could just stop campaigning today, sit back, go golfing for the next six months and still win 538 electoral votes. You know what? No, not even. He'd win 540 somehow. I don't even know these two other votes would come from, but they'd pop up somehow because the American people would vote so heavily for Donald Trump that two extra votes would just pop into existence. That's how insane it will be if they move to abolish police. Now, I understand you're saying, but Tim, Ilhan Omar is talking about just about Minneapolis. Yeah, because she represents Minneapolis. But I showed this clip, this tweet in a segment uh, I just did. Take a look at this. Journalist Zach Bochamp said, I'm sorry, but quote, abolish the police seems like a poorly thought out idea that's gotten popular with shocking speed. That's a really good point, Zach. Why are all of these journalists tweeting abolish the police? That's insane. Well, guess what? They came for him. Woke outrage culture attacked him, insulted him and threatened him. So he said this, talk to a number of people I respect about the framing of the original tweet. And I do feel like it was a mistake. It was far too dismissive. And then I ironically complained about condescending replies. We all send bad tweets sometimes. This was one of mine. Let's try this again. The dude literally said, abolish the police seems like a poorly thought out idea that's gotten popular with shocking speed. What's wrong with that? He can. You want to criticize? It's moving too quickly. Oh, he thinks it was bad to tweet this. So what do you want to tweet? You you want to tweet abolish the police? Trump is going to win in a landslide because these people are insane. Take a look at this. This is a, this is from Cato.org. They say a Cato Institute YouGov national survey that I conducted finds that while Americans have different per, uh, perceptions of how police operate, no demographic group is anti-cop. Americans agree on what we want from our police and reach consensus on a variety of police reform. Media have sensationalized the extreme fringes of activists who call for abolishing or defunding the police. But these individuals are rare and do not represent the views of many people. For instance, nine in 10 black, white, Hispanic Americans all oppose reducing the number of police officers in their community. And a third say their community needs more officers. What is going on with these people, man. They have lost the plot. Connor Friedersdorf tweeted, there is an ascendant pressure on journalists to reify positions that are held by a minority of the public and a supermajority of journalists. If it succeeds, it will not advance social justice. It will make journalistic institutions that value social justice less influential. Well, I guess that's good news for anti-SJWs. These people have completely lost their minds, man. Take a look at this story. The Guardian movement to defund police gains unprecedented support across the U.S. No, it doesn't. But I'll tell you what, man, our political leaders are feckless and weak, and they're bending the knee to fringe activists on social media. Listen, social media is dominated by lunatics, okay, who post stupid things. And this is true for everybody, man, the left and the right. 
Fortunately for the right, social media companies outright ban right-wing lunatics and even some non-lunatic right-wingers. Regular old conservatives are getting banned as well. But rest assured, if you're on the right and you're crazy, you're gone. And if you're on the right and you get anywhere near a strong conservative opinion, you're gone too. On the left, however, and this does benefit conservatives, fringe extremist leftists are propped up, recommended, and allowed to say stupid things. Here's what I see happening. As these fringe activists say stupid fringe things, and governors and you know mayors say, okay, we're going to defund the police, regular people freak out. What is happening all around me, they say. And the end result is, well, kind of obvious. The end result is an overwhelming swing against these Democratic politicians and to the Republicans, because the Democrats are now favoring one in 10. You can't win an election with one in 10 votes. I'm sorry. (laughs) That just seems stupid. Unless, of course, you had, I don't know, 11 political parties or 12 political parties, and you happen to be the one that got 10% of the vote. No, that's not how it's going to work. Regular people do not want the police to be abolished. But on Twitter, you wouldn't be able to tell. Jesse Single says, this is what's going on at many news organizations, that Zach, you know, it's not a good sign that Zach felt the need to all but apologize for the original tweet. In this case, expressing a position held by 90% of American people of color isn't enough. He has to be educated. He said, I dislike the present usage of gaslighting. I think it's nuts. But by those present usage standards, it is absolutely gaslighting to claim Connor is wrong and that journalists aren't feeling pressure to adhere to and promote views held by tiny fractions of the population. If you think police abolition is a good idea, you are in a tiny, tiny, tiny minority. It doesn't matter if members of that tiny, tiny, tiny minority are overrepresented in your social circles. You should see it as your urgent job to convince, not browbeat. Amazing. Let me tell you what. You know what? If this is what they're saying, Trump's going to landslide. Yeah, tell me whatever you want to hear. Fine. Say it's close. I get it. But these people are literally tweeting, abolish the police. Ilhan Omar is literally tweeting, disband the police. 90% want more cops. They want reform. Yeah, they want things to be changed. But do they want to outright get rid of police? Nope. So I hit up a friend of mine and I said, should we abolish the police? And they said to me, what are you insane? No. And I'm like, but you support Black Lives Matter, right? Yes, of course. And I was like, okay, well, they're all post like these, these high, pro- not, not everybody, but high profile people like Ilhan Omar is saying disband the police department. Yep. Even among their own supporters, they don't believe it. Could you imagine what would happen if Joe Biden came out and said, we need to abolish the police? You might think it's absurd. You're going to say to me, I know you're sitting there right now saying, Tim, come on. I understand Biden's nuts, but some things are just too far fetched. Remember when Joe Biden said to put a moratorium on deportation? Yeah, they're that insane. He'll do it. I would not be surprised. In fact, I will put a gentleman's bet on the table. A gentleman's bet. No money involved. That Joe Biden will at least entertain some kind of defund the police, which is still not popular. I'm willing to bet as Americans say they want more officers in their their communities, they feel less safe. As Americans say, 58% of registered voters say that the military should intervene in the riots. Joe Biden will take the lunatic fringe position of defund the police. 
I, I think there's even a, po- a possibility. He says abolish the police or he goes as far as saying something like we're going to put a moratorium on all policing until we until we can figure out what's going on. I mean, it does remind me of Trump, right? The joke is we just got to put us, you know, put a hold on immigration until we can figure out what's going on. Right. Joe Biden, and the Democrats are notorious for adopting fringe policy positions from lunatics on social media. I'm, I'm just saying right now, man, Donald Trump could only beg for this. There are so many things conspiring to help this president. It, it, it really blows my mind. Ilhan Omar is a congressional Democrat saying to span the police. It is not a fringe position. It is a position held by a House Democrat. Say that. Tell it to people. You realize that Minneapolis, a major U.S. city, has a congresswoman saying disband the police department. How many more are going to come out and agree with her? I'd be willing to bet a lot. You know why? Because on social media, that's what they want. If it were me, or if I, if, if someone asked, you know what I'd say? I'd say there's got to be a PSYOP. It's got to be 4chan, right? This is clearly a 4chan hoax. Nobody really wants to abolish the police. Nope, I wish it was. But I'll tell you what, 4chan has pulled off some really incredible hoaxes and really shaped cultural politics in scary ways. But I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guys. This one is just too good for me to believe it was pulled off by 4chan. I'm sorry. I know the the OK symbol hoax. Wow. History making for real. But this one, this would be like, this is PSYOPs level. You know, if, if, look, if someone came to me and said Russia was interfering, I'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Russia was the one that got Omar to tweet this. Cause this is absolutely insane. I'm impressed though, man. Already Trump is being armed by this rhetoric. 100%. You've got rioters rampaging through the streets, destroying things. And you've got the media defending it. You've got Governor Whitmer of Michigan shutting down a barber. In, in a town of 15,000, I kid you not, Owasso, a barber, 15,000 people in this town. She shuts him down. He loses his business license. Then she goes out and marches. If Donald Trump loses this election, I will laugh harder than I've ever laughed. You know why? It's just the machine is broken. Like, how could it be that after all this, Trump loses, no matter how much you hate the guy? It's possible. It really is. People might really hate him. But if he wins, I'll laugh the same. I'll laugh all the same. I hope you're ready for a wild ride because this is going to be nuts. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time.